All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuckadelics? How is it? How is it with you? How is it with you? What is happening? So, look, two guests today. I'm going to talk to first Ed Begley Jr. He's back on the show after 10 years. Since the first time, he's been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, but that didn't keep him from working or from writing his memoir. He had he had it long before he, he knew he had it, too. Then we have uh, Jonah Ray Rodriguez. He's back. He used to be Jonah Ray. Now he's the whole name. Uh, he was around a lot during the early years of, uh, of WTF because he was part of that early comedy podcast community. He was one of the... Uh, Side men on the Nerdist. Uh, also, you have time. You still have time to submit a question for our next Ask Mark Anything episode. Go click on the link in the episode description and submit your question on the Google form. I'll give my answers next week on the full Marin. My 2024 tour kicks off this month in San Diego at the Observatory North Park on Saturday. January 27th, two shows. Then I'm in San Francisco at the Castro Theater on February 3rd, sold out. Portland, Maine, I'm at the State Theater on Thursday, March 7th. If it's functional, I saw pictures of a massive bit of flooding there. Medford, Massachusetts, outside of Boston at the Chevalier Theater on Friday, March 8th. Providence, Rhode Island at the Strand Theater on Saturday, March 9th. Terrytown, New York at the Terrytown Music Hall on Sunday, March 10th. Atlanta, Georgia, I'm at the Buckhead Theater again. On Friday, March 22nd, Madison, Wisconsin at the Barrymore Theater again on Wednesday, April 3rd. Milwaukee, Wisconsin at the Turner Hall Ballroom again on Thursday, April 4th. Chicago at the Vic Theater on Friday, April 5th, many times at the Vic. Minneapolis, I'm at the Pantages on Saturday, April 6th. I shot a special there and at the Vic. I'll be in Austin, Texas at the Paramount Theater on Thursday, April 18th as part of the Moon Tower Comedy Festival. Go to WTFPod.com slash tour for tickets. Do it. Do it. I don't know if you got this, but they, they've put out this box set of the Replacements album, Tim, uh, newly mastered. I don't know what the story is on it, but it, it's the Ed Stasium Masters. I guess it was, this is the Mastered Properly uh, vinyl. I can't stop listening to it. What a great fucking band. What a great fucking record. And what else have I been watching? That's what I'll do right now. I'll tell you what I've been watching. Well, Oddly, and I don't know if I owe anybody apologies. I don't know if I, I, I need to explain myself too much because James Gray and I, the director, we had a, a, a pretty good, pretty great talk. You know, we got to know each other um, and he was here for his movie Armageddon Time, which was a good movie. Now, I had seen some of his other movies. I think I watched that. I watched Armageddon Time. I watched uh, Ad Astra. I think I watched The Yards. But the truth of the matter is, is I've now watched all his movies. I watched The Lost City of Z. That was it. To prep, I think I watched Armageddon Time, Ad Astra, The Lost City of Z, and The Yards. But on the Criterion Channel, they've got all the New York movies. They've got uh, Little Odessa. They've got The Yard. They've got uh, We Own the Night. They've got two lovers and they've got immigrant. I've watched all of them. I've watched all of the James Gray movies and they're fucking amazing. Now, part of me is like, 
Yes, stupid. I mean, you knew he was a great director, but why didn't I watch those movies? All of them before I talked to him. Cause now I probably got to talk to him again. I mean, I can't the, you know, he's such a fan of movies and he's so meticulous about, you know, his eye and what, how he wants things to be seen and his DP must be amazing. But all these movies are, are like quintessential outer boroughs movies. They all take place in Queens, you know, around there, except for, uh, the immigrant, which is a period piece takes place right there in the city with a touch of Brooklyn, but Jesus, man, little Odessa is a gnarly movie. And we own the night is fucking spectacular. Two lovers, which seems like a very personal story, which I'd like to ask him about. I don't know. Maybe it's not, but it seems like there's a bit of him in all of these, at least of him watching some shit go down. A lot of Russian immigrants and stuff and uh, Brighton beach, but they're all great movies and you should watch them because I don't know. Is he an underappreciated director? I would think he thinks so, but uh, I've been enjoying watching all those movies. Yeah. And listening to the replacements and some jazz and some other stuff and watching uh, comedy specials like Jacqueline Novak's. I've been engaging in the arts. I just got to go see some paintings and maybe some dance. Maybe I need to see some dance. Maybe I need to dance. I did a little bit of dancing the other day. I put on a fellow record. And I danced a little bit in the way that I dance when I'm by myself. Not, I wouldn't say I was, you know, really expressing myself through dance, but I would say I was, um, I was, I was, I was sort of like compressing movements. I, I, I would say it's more like crumping. Is that what it's called? I wouldn't call it break dancing. I wouldn't call it uh, like freestyle, but I would say maybe crumping, you know, is kind of. Well, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a little more, that seems very expressive to me. I think I was just kind of um, like kind of old man grooving, sadly. You know, the, you know where you see, you know, uh, uh, wedding videos and, you know, when, you know, guys my age don't want to, don't want to look stupid, but they also, you know, don't want to really fucking uh, do what they, you know, know they can do. So they, they just kind of groove a little, you know, a little bit of movement. A little bit of the hands with the, you know, the elbows kind of close to the body. Move a little bit of the hips and the, you know, in the feet. Get a little kind of a, a, a kind of a circular groove going with both arms. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, cool daddy dance without going crazy. But I feel like I could cut loose. I feel like I could really jump around. I feel like I could really, you know, kind of get the arms going all over them. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to do it right now. But that's, uh, that's next on the list. Watch movies and do expressive modern dance. Ed Begley Jr. is like a Zelig type of character here in Hollywood in the 70s, all the way through. Knows everybody. In the book, the new book, To the Temple of Tranquility and Step on It, that's the name of the book, pictures of him and everybody for weird reasons. He's just woven into the fabric of Hollywood. Uh, it was great to see him. And this is uh, me and Ed Begley catching up. So we talked a, a, a lot about some of the stuff that's all that's in the book, the new book, 
to the Temple of Tranquility and step on it. It wasn't that quick a journey, though, was it? No, it wasn't. <laughs> I thought I could rush things by finding serenity in a bottle of Stoli and a couple of lines. It doesn't work that way, as it turns out. Yeah, but like, I mean, but when you really sort of, it seems that through the stories that when you really did get sober, you understood that whatever it was you were looking for was not the thing. Exactly. I had it all along. All I had to do is just stay sober and enjoy the moments, have some semblance of gratitude, and you'd yeah. be just fine. Yeah, kind of, right? Yeah. Yeah. But in this book, because, like, look, I, I don't want you to tell the story so much because you want people to buy the book, but in, in the book it says you smoked a joint with Charlie Manson? I did. We smoked a joint with uh, Charlie, and my friend James and I drove up to see his friend David Kurland. Yeah. When I did the show the last time, I didn't know, couldn't remember his name, but my friend James reminded me. We went to college together, James Jeremias and I. Yeah. And uh, this guy lived in a treehouse next door to a saloon. Yeah. And it turned out that saloon was the Spawn Ranch uh, movie set. Oh, okay. So that was how, that's how you got up there. Yeah. Now, did you see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I did. How was the depiction of that? It's, I don't know where they shot it, but it could, they certainly made it look like the Spawn Ranch. It, it looked like the way I remember it. It felt like that? Yeah, it did. Like just with uh, dirty, dirty hippies everywhere? Yeah, and run down old movie sets, you know, Western yeah. town kind of stuff. Yeah. How did that, well, you came up in Hollywood. You grew up here. Your dad's obviously was a character actor. But how did that movie feel to you in terms of the way it looked? Did it look like your past? Very much so. And all the stuff that they did where they put in CGI, you know, all kinds of uh, Sunset Boulevard, yeah. Hollywood Boulevard stuff. Yeah. Mushroom and Franks is still the same. They didn't have to do anything to that. Right. But the vibe was correct? 100% correct. It was, a, it was a good time, wasn't it? It was very much a good time. Alcohol and drugs were a great time until suddenly it wasn't in 76 when I had the DTs for the first time. Before that, it was great. Oh, that, that story in here about you driving and getting in that car accident? Yeah. That's crazy. Totally it, crazy. The sound that you heard in the car yeah. after? Bang, bang, bang. I'm wondering, what the fuck's wrong with my car? Anybody know what that sound is? And the poor guy with, with the crutches whose car destroyed yeah. said, yeah, you're knocking the mirrors off the parked cars. Can you let me out? I said, no, no, I'm going to take you home. Let me out of the car. No, I'll take you home. He starts hitting me in the head with his crutch. Yeah. Saying, let me out of the car, you yeah. fucking maniac. Yeah. That, that, was, uh, that was, and that was like, when was that? Uh, that was 75, Christmas 75. Oh, so you were close. You yeah. were close to getting sober. Yeah. But here it says, like, um, like just to read this, because in, in the sense that, like, the book is constructed of, you know, they're basically memoir essays. They're right. stories from your life that you've chosen are, are the ones. Right. Were there others? Oh, yeah, lots of other crazy that, that nights. That didn't make the book, or, or, or is this pretty much a tight, like, did you write a bunch more, and your editor said, we don't need this one? There, I didn't write any more than that. It's yeah. pretty much the way I, I wrote it. I was a little short at first, so I added some more that I hadn't thought of. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but I think it's all pretty much in there that I can remember now. Yeah. It, it's it's incredible to me how much I can remember about the distant past like that. And then, you know, walking in the garage this morning, I have no fucking idea what I went in there for. <laughs> Not a clue. Today? <laughs> yeah. But did it come to you? It came to me. Oh, yeah, Mark Maron, 11. <laughs> So it was me. I was I was the thing that no, got lost. No, no, it was I, long before <laughs> 8 a.m. I went in for some tool and I couldn't remember what it was. Yeah. yeah. you Have you been in hundreds of movies and TV shows? I have hundreds. It's crazy, right? Yeah, that's crazy. To still be working after, what is that, 57 years? Yeah. That's kind of nuts. Yeah, and be, you were great in Better Call Saul. Was that the last Thank thing? you, yeah. And I do uh, Young Sheldon. I did that a little more recently. Mm-hmm. 
But Saul was a great show. Sheldon's a great show. I'm very lucky to still be doing it. And you go back to, you know, to sort of a, a bit about your dad, Ed Begley Sr., who I just watched in 12 Angry Men. God, do I love that movie. It's some movie, right? What a cast. What a movie. Sidney Lumet. Yeah. Everybody. Now, did you know any of those other guys? I met them, you know, one by one over the years. Not all of them. I yeah. never met George Voskovic. I never met John Fiedler I knew. I knew Ed. Fonda? I knew, I knew Henry Fonda for sure. Yeah? Why was I he met a buddy? Jack, I met him around. Uh, oh, and I did a play for a while. I was in a... I didn't make it to opening night. I was an understudy yeah. in Kane Mutiny Court Martial yeah. at the Center Theater Group. So he was a star of that. I got to meet him there. Oh, okay. But was he like friends with your dad? He very much was friends. I've got a lovely little gift he gave my dad, a little silver yeah. like ashtray or something, yeah. sterling silver, nice thing. I have it on my mantle. You got a bunch of uh, memorabilia from yeah, the Yeah, my old dad's age. Oscar, my dad's Tony Award. What did he win the Oscar for? Sweet Bird of Youth, 1962, Paul Newman, Geraldine Page. Best Supporting? Best Supporting is right. Yeah. Rip Torn's in that. He should have gotten an Oscar, too. He's sure good. Wow. So it's like, I think this is what was interesting to me, too, about the last time, is that because of your childhood, you sort of span these generations right. of actors. I met one of the Keystone Cops from <laughs> Silent Films. I literally met the guy. So I have a bridge in my life of experiences from silent films to Sean, the guy that made the, the film on his iPhone, mm -hmm. that incredible filmmaker. Uh, Tangerine? Yeah, Tangerine. Sean, uh, Sean like Baker, Sean Baker, yeah, right? Yeah, Sean Baker, I think so, yeah. Yeah, really good. He's a good filmmaker. He sure is. So made it on his iPhone. Yeah. The size of a cigarette pack. Well, the first one, I think he, he, he opted for cameras. I think he might have. After that. I, I yeah. think he had something to prove, and he proved it, and then someone said, here's a little money, go get a camera. Yeah, get a camera. It's gonna, <laughs> yeah. Life's going to be a little easier on yeah. you. Yeah. But, I mean, what was the backstory? Was there a strange backstory between you and your mom and your dad and, like, a, a mystery? A big mystery and uh, that I discovered when I got my driver's license. I went to get my learner's permit, yeah. you know, to get my driver's license. And to do that, you have to have your birth certificate to prove, you know, to the DMV you are who you are and you're the age that you say. Yeah. So I had never held it before. I'm in the back seat of the car. My dad's driving over Coldwater to get back the valley from his business manager in Bev Hills. And I open the thing and I go, Dad, yeah. mm -hmm. why is there no mother's name on my birth certificate? Long silence finally goes, because Amanda wasn't your mother. The woman I knew to be my mother died when I was seven. Yeah. Suddenly she's not my mother, okay? Yeah. Who is, who was my mother? Yeah. Sandy's your mother. <laughs> Double explosion. Because this woman I knew and loved this woman, Sandy, gave me a gift on my birthday, gave me a Christmas gift. I'd see her at Grand Central Station. You know, something about this woman, I just loved her. It turned out to be mom. Yeah? And what, would it, what did Sandy do? She was a page at NBC that my father took up with and had two children with, though he was quite actively married to another woman, Amanda. Yeah, and so he has a child with Amanda as well? Uh, he has no children with Amanda. He was purported to have had a child with Amanda. I grew up that, and knew to be my brother, Tom, but it turned out Amanda was not his mom. Either? My, no. Uh, my father's sister, my Aunt Helene, was uh, the mother of Tom, as it turns out. Oh. And we never learned who the father was, but we... Recently learned from 23andMe that he's an Ashkenazi Jew. Huh. We're quite Irish people, and we have a wonderful Ashkenazi <laughs> Jewish person in our life. 100%? 100% Ashkenaz? Uh, I think so. Wow. So that's interesting. Well, he would have been half, anyway, or, you know, because your aunt's still Irish, right? Yeah, she's pretty Irish, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's half Ashkenazi, half Irish, or yeah. whatever that is. 
Well, that that kind of thing always amazes me because of the sort of jarring reconfiguring of your life you have to do in a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Jack Nicholson had it too. The woman that he thought to be his was sister his was, aunt, in, right? was his mother. It was his mother. Yeah, yeah, he was the woman he was raised as this woman's brother. Yeah. Turned out that was mom. The sister was his mom. What was the reason for that? Uh the scandal, same as it was in my case, you know, oh. trying to keep the scandal in check. The Catholic I, scandal sure, and the, sure, the sin yeah. and the Pope and the right. bishops and all of that bullshit. Right, the, and the community. Exactly. The pressure. Exactly. Are, are you still friends with Jack? Yeah. Is he all right? He's he's great. Okay, good. He's in great shape. He's mentally okay. in every way. He's really cool still. En- enjoying his life? He is. Yeah. He's got great kids, great grandkids. He's And they're all out there around huh? hanging out? They're all around hanging out? Oh, yeah. They love him. Oh, that's great. Because like I, there, there's a whole piece in here about your relationship with Harry Dean, who ha- I had an exper- experience with that wasn't great, because I don't know what I was thinking. You know, I chose to interview him after you, you know that woman. What's her name? Sophie Huber is that her name? The one who did the doc? I don't oh know. yes, yes, Sophie. Yes. But I saw that doc, and I'm like, I'm going to go out there and talk to him. Like, like, and she couldn't get him to talk in the doc, and I think like I'll get it. And then you go out there, and he's like, yeah. No. You're not going to, no, not really. One word answers, yes. One word answers. I think I you know, I made him angry out of the gate, you know, about- uh, That doesn't sound like Harry Dean Stanton. Well, not- getting, I'm totally kidding. He got pissed out of the gate for, with a lot of people. That was his go, that was his default setting. I, I mentioned something about smoking at his age and that was it. Yeah, I think you're I was, done. <laughs> yeah, I was done. But you knew that guy forever, huh? I met him in 72. He was the one that introduced me to Alan Watts, whatever measure of serenity I have in my life. I got it through him. Well, they, oh, that's, a, yeah, that's a, the essay you wrote in the book. Yeah, so, but the contradiction is of the life you guys led. Yeah. And then still kind of finding this Buddha, you know, Buddhist thought. Yeah, but he was one of the most impatient guys in traffic in every way I've ever met. Harry Dean was. Yeah. But always was a proponent of serenity and being in the now. Right. He occasionally, he achieved it on his couch there up on Mulholland a good deal of the time, but yeah. not so much outside of the home. Yeah, and you guys were regulars at Dantana's forever? Every night. Yeah. When I say every night, I mean every single night. Finally, we were not there for like a week because we had get, both gotten a job in the same movie, so we were both missing yeah. for a full week. So I said, we should call up Guido and tell him we're okay. We'll call up, talk to Guido, the mayor Diatanas. Yeah. They had sent somebody by Harrodine's house to see if we'd fallen asleep with a gas on or something. They thought we had literally perished. <laughs> yeah. Why, how could we both not be there for a full week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used yeah. to go after Tana to go back to his place and watch the Z Channel or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, right. And so they literally thought we were dead. <laughs> but you weren't. We were alive in- uh, and in, Doing in, uh, that, that uh, cockfight cock with yeah. Warren Oates. Yep. Uh, oh, what's the director? Monty Hellman. Monty Hellman. I remember that movie being a, a little difficult to understand. It was for me to understand, and I was in it. <laughs> Same with Tulane Blacktop. Black I'm, sure I'm not sure what that's about. Yeah, I'm not either. Is it, that was Dennis Wilson, right? It's James Taylor. Oh, James Taylor. Maybe Dennis Wilson's in it with him, but James Taylor is the star of it, I think. Wow. Lori Bird is a co-star. I talked to James Taylor. He's sober, too. Boy, he was, he was out there. Was he ever? Oh, yeah, and he didn't slow, He didn't quit after the fourth time with heroin. He, he, yeah, he stayed a little longer at the party. Yeah, and his dad had to come get him, and you know it was like it, I didn't realize that guy was so uh, in the mire of it. Yeah, but I guess a lot of people were. A good many of my friends. Yeah, very few of them are alive. So, 
the other thing, like I just want to like read this list because um, in the book, I you know I don't know if people put you into context, but you said there's like you would regularly spend time with Groucho Marx in his home, and occasionally enjoy a sweepover. You played Trivial Pursuit with the Clintons. You would get to know and work with Kurt Douglas, Meryl Street, Peter Falk, Alan Arkin, Michael Caine, Billy Wilder, Richard Pryor, Dave Mamet, David Mamet, who I just saw, Jeff Goldblum, Eric Idle, Denzel Washington, Buck Henry, Don Henley, Jane Fonda, Gina Davis, Dabney Coleman, Lily Tomlin, Leonardo DiCaprio, Vince Gilligan, John Cleese, Danny Glover, Harvey Keitel, William Hurt, Larry Kasdan, Larry David, Angelica Houston, Pam Greer, Penny Marshall, Alfred Woodward, Taylor Swift, Jeff Bridges, Yafet Kodo. I just saw I just watched Midnight Run again. He was so good. It's one of the best movies ever. Rob Reiner and Christopher Guest. Now, like, partial list, huh? The partial par- list, of course, partial list. But well, I mean, there's a picture in here that I, I didn't get to the essay, but I, I need you to explain to me where you're just sitting, you're making dinner for uh, for the oh, yeah. best actor Oscar nominees for uh, Hugh Jackman, Robert De Niro, Alan Arkin, Tommy Lee Jones, Joaquin Phoenix, and Daniel Day Lewis. How does that happen? I was a governor of the academy that year, and the president uh, of the academy was Hawk Koch, Howard Koch Jr., a junior yeah. like me, and he said, yeah. here's what I want to do this year. Annette Benning's going to take the ladies, you take the men, Ed, and at your house, just host a little lunch, and we're going to have all the nominees and jeans and cutoffs, whatever they want, no cameras, no nothing. Yeah. You know, no photographers. Right. We're going to take pictures of each other. That's fine. Yeah. But, and it'll, it'll be just a casual, casual kind of a thing. Yeah. And so I cooked. Uh, they had a caterer for me. I said, do you mind if I cook? And they... Nobody seemed to mind at all, so I made them a nice vegan meal, and they all liked it. Yeah? And what was the point of that, just for everyone to hang out? So they could hang out without any pressure, without any press people coming up and asking questions or eavesdropping on a conversation between the two of them. And they might not have, like, I imagine that's the first time some of them hang out together. Exactly. Yeah. They're kind of in the press line together, say, I loved you and such and such. Yeah, oh, yeah I loved yeah. you and such and such. So it was just, uh, just kind of... Casual pre-Oscar thing. Yeah, for those who wanted to come, they were invited. Those who didn't want to do yet another event that didn't, yeah. weren't obliged to come. Right. And it was a brand new thing, so there's no history. Every actor comes and does this. How could you not do this? Anybody who wants to come, come. They only did it a few years, as it turns out, but it was must a great a, honor. Must have been a good lunch. It was a good lunch. People seemed to like it. Who won that year? Who won? I think Alan Arkin won for Little Miss Sunshine, didn't he? Oh, Yeah. And I think... God damn it, he was so good. I think about that character all the time. Yeah. The character he played in Little Miss Sunshine wonderful. all the time. Wonderful. It's wonderful, but as a drug addict, you're like, that guy had it figured out. <laughs> yep. Totally. You know, until he didn't, but... Right. But just sort of like... And I guess that's not a good indication of where I'm at mentally. Right. That, you know, this like, you know, 60, 70-year-old man who's quietly chipping away at heroin on a trip with his family seems... Completely to understand himself. Yeah. Wow, I, would have, I would have done that if I could have pulled it off, but it turns out I couldn't. No, I can't do anything. Like right now I'm, I'm on these nicotine lozenges and it's driving me nuts. I was off all the nicotine for three years and then like, you know, but it's anything, dude. You know, you get to a point, you know what the score is. I think you talk a little bit about compulsive sexual behavior in here. All of it. Yeah. What's that, compul- what's, what's that chapter about you sleeping with your ex? Oh, yeah, well... There's a payoff to that I won't give away, but uh, I became very close to my ex-wife and my current wife uh, fully approved. Wow. Yeah. It's not as salacious as it sounds, but it's pretty (laughs) funny. (laughs) But there's so many great pictures in here. You and Waits as kids. Oh, me and Tom. Yeah. We're still pals. I talked to him just the other day. Yeah. 
What a great guy he is. What an artist. What a career. Sure, man. Isn't he amazing? Yeah. What was the, uh, why did you decide to write this book now? Were you just, was it COVID or what happened? It was, it started innocently enough. It was really my daughter's idea. My daughter Hayden, 24 now, she was 22 at the time. It was just two years ago. She said, I'm going to get my smartphone and just start telling me some of the stories about, you know, you and Marlon Brando and the electric eels and tell me about your father and your grandfather and coming over on the boat from Ireland and all that stuff. Yeah. So I started just for my family, for my grandkids and my kids yeah to you know get some of the stories down and and I did I started to write some of the stories not write them down but dictate them to my to my daughter but she's has a life she couldn't do that forever so in her absence I th- thought before I forget some of this shit I got to type it up and get on my computer and write it up to hand her to you know transpose it all yeah and then it happened the computer keyboard became like a Ouija board that actually worked yeah and suddenly I'm taken up to the attic of my mind and the basement of my mind to these things I hadn't thought of, you know, like uh, smoking a joint with Charlie Manson or, yeah. you know, charging my car at O.J. Simpson's house and yeah. all that stuff. Uh, just like things I haven't thought of in many years that kind of brought it all together. Just the practice of typing one thing would lead you to another and another. That's, a, that's the best part of writing. Outside yeah. of that, it's a miserable undertaking. Yeah. Was, I have found. Exactly. But I... I literally couldn't wait to get back to the computer every day. I'd had some TV show or movie to work on. I go, come on, get what time do I get released? I just wanted to get back to the dressing room with the home and start writing more. Because it's like an excavation. Exactly. Yeah. The best kind. Yeah. And were you able to experience the emotions? Very much so. Uh, I'm even feeling some of it right now. Yeah, like what about in particular? Just about my daughter wanting to do that and you know how yeah. much my kids mean to me and how yeah. much my grandkids mean to me. Yeah, the fact that they all really love the book, I okay. did it for them, and they they love it, which was the that was the stated goal. Well, that's like that's an amazing thing to because so many times, you know, no matter who your kids are, who you are, your kids have they're their own people, so they don't really know the depth of you, right? So you you know, and you had a fairly colorful life. I did, so. and I'm not going to remember it forever. So get it down now and hand it to them in. Uh, uh, printed form so they can remember. And what were their reactions to it, the ones that could grasp it? They flipped out. They thought it was really good. <laughs> but they made me believe they think it's good. Well, I mean, did they know most of the stories or some they didn't know? They knew most of them. My yeah. grandkids didn't know maybe a quarter of them. But How they old did. are your grandkids? I've got a 20-year-old grandson, a 15-year-old granddaughter, and a 2-year-old grandson. Wow. I'm blessed. I could have great grandkids. This is possible. Yeah, it might happen. It might happen. Good talking to you, Ed. Always great talking to you, Mark. Thank and the, you. And the book is great. It's good stories, and they, you know, they're they're all separate. So it's it's not like one. It's one narrative, but each each one is really is sort of a a raconteur's book. Bless you, pal. All right, buddy. There you go. To the Temple of Tranquility and Step on It is available now wherever you get your books. Now, okay, so Jonah, Jonah Ray. Jonah Ray Rodriguez. Like, I would have pronounced it Rodriguez, but, you know, he can do what he wants. You know what I mean? It's his fucking name, right? It's spelled kind of like Rodriguez, but it's Rodriguez. It's okay. It's all right. I knew him as Jonah Ray back in the day, but he's in this new movie. Uh, It's a kind of a horror movie, a horror comedy, a satire of a horror movie, but kind of a horror movie because many horror movies are kind of satires. It's called Destroy All Neighbors. 
and it's now playing in theaters and streaming on Shutter. He did it with Alex Winter. It's a lot of that uh, over-the-top gory stuff. A lot of blood and guts and funny, you know, that great mixture of funny and blood and guts. Got some funny people in it. Alex is in it. He's got uh, Tom Lennon's in there. and uh, But uh, it was good to see Jonah. It was funny because sometimes I get overwhelmed and I forget to check my schedule. And I was doing a uh, Zoom notes meeting with uh, my good friend Sam Lipsite about the script we're, we're working on. And the doorbell rings. I, I wasn't expecting anybody. And it's Jonah. I'm like, what's up? And I'm like, oh, fuck, is that today? He goes, well, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I believe you. He's like, you want me to come back? I'm like, no, dude, let's do it. I know you. I don't know. I don't need to go crazy with the prep. I watched a movie and we're friends. So this is me talking to uh, Jonah Ray Rodriguez, you know, on the, on, just like, boom, just happened. Just happened. <laughs> I guess I can leave that heater on for a minute. I don't mind it. Maybe if I turn the turbo off. That made a difference. Yeah, maybe this conversation will get so heated that we won't need... We won't need the heat? Yeah. I just need a little bit. I just need a taste. Yeah. I just need a taste of heat. It's a little chilly in here. It is so cold. I don't it's, understand what's happening. I don't mind it. It's not too cold. It's too cold for me. I'm going to keep the jacket on. Well, you're a Hawaii guy. Yeah. I've never acclimated to the cold weather. It's being never went anywhere where you could. Did you? No, I just, from Hawaii to straight to here. Yeah. So what am I, I hate it. I want, I, the <laughs> coldest I ever felt was I was leaving a, uh, I was like leaving a show at the end of a Mystery Science Theater tour in Minneapolis oh, in yeah. November. And like, they're like, oh, just to let you know the uh, walkways, you know, those little habit trails they mm -hmm. have. They're like, oh, those are closing. Uh, I'm like, that's fine. The ho the, hosp yeah, the hotel is only like two blocks away. Yeah. One block in, I literally said out loud to my friends, I was like, keep, go on without me. I'm not going to make it. <laughs> like my body just starts seizing up. With the windshield, but that's real cold. In that's real Minnesota, cold. Yeah, yeah. I shot a, a movie uh, last January in uh, Iowa, yeah. like uh, outside of Des Moines in yeah. January nighttime, um, yeah. sub zero temperatures. It was gnarly. Me and it was me and Kirk Fox, and we were really, really upset the whole time. And do, when they were giving you those dumb hand warmer packets, yeah, I was like, like loading up not, with those. I had thermals. You got the thermal on, and I had like on. electric jacket on underneath yeah. my wardrobe, and then we oh just my god, run into like the RV. Was that worth like, it? How'd that film come out? <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. I also got shingles during it, so oh my god, yeah, I got. I was like the uh, the the first day we were shooting, I was like, I do not feel good. I feel like I was, I I my brain was feeling like like it was cramping. And so I looked up what an aneurysm feels like, and it turns out it just <laughs> yeah. happens all of a sudden. But yeah. and then I went to a doctor. And no time like, to think. No time to think. Yeah, <laughs> they just—it's just you're gone. And yeah. what a great way to go. Yeah, quick. Yeah. yeah. Um, just sort of like, ouch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, is it hot? Hopefully mid-word or mid <laughs> yeah, mid joke yeah. or I like think, after a setup. I don't think I feel. Yeah. <laughs> you know what'd be funny? <laughs> hey, wait. <laughs> Uh, one more thing. <laughs> Am I blowing out, or is that just my cans, or is that just my ears? No, you're not blowing out. Too right, bad. Just check. I mean, I can. I don't know which cans are. Hold, hold on, let me see. I yeah. sound messed up. You sound fine. How do you? Is, oh, really? Yeah. I don't know what. Th it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. 
Well, I mean, no one's, no one's going to listen to this. I've one. been doing this a long time, and I should have the equipment that works right. I, I don't think it's an issue with blowing out on the levels. It's yeah. something to do with the cans. Yeah, but it, uh, did you notice how quickly I put it on myself? Is it being something wrong with me? Yeah, yeah. I thought you were over that. What's the matter with you? <laughs> yeah, I thought you're all better. I thought I, I thought I thought Skinny Jonah had his shit together. I remember <laughs> I, we were on the phone, and you're like, I was saying, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. You're like, we were all waiting for it. Yeah, we were all hoping you would come around. I don't know. It's like, it's uh, you know peaks and valleys, waves. I I feel I feel generally better. I yeah. guess you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you see, you look well. I think the big the the big weight loss over the years was good. Yeah, and I've gained some back. I you know because you know during I don't the strikes. Say anything, but. Yeah. You noticed it? <laughs> yeah, don't worry. No, I, I didn't. I didn't. So, like, you know, the strikes really, uh, like, that's, yeah. during the strikes, I picked up a bartending gig. Yeah. Because, like, you know, it was- uh, Where at? Uh, I was working at a block party on York Boulevard. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, between 15 and 51. Isn't and that I, where your girlfriend work or your wife? Uh, no, no, no. She, no, works, no. At she, she works at another place now. Yeah. She doesn't bartend anymore. But, like, um, yeah, I started, like, I ran into, like, one of the owners, and, like, uh, they're like, how are the strikes going? Yeah. And I was like, I'm fucking scared and yeah. broke. Yeah. And, uh and they're like, do you want to bartend on the weekends? And I was like, sure. I, and I thought it was just like a beer place. So yeah. I'd just be, you know, slamming oh, no, beers. So you had to really learn the cocktail <laughs> There's all kinds. I was like, which one's shaken and which one's stirred? Oh, and no. This one comes with the big ice cube. It, 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 the, the, the sort of like baptism and fire of mixology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like, you know, I'm super, uh, you know, very fortunate that like I was able to get any kind of job. You know, I don't Did have Did you any- pull it off? Yeah, I'm, I'm still there, man. Like, uh, you're still bartending on weekends. Yeah, yeah, and also like you know, like uh, the uh, Vidiots, the theater. Um, they, yeah. like, they've asked me to do a couple. Nights. I don't know what's happening. I might be becoming more bartender than. Uh, they got a bar, Vidiots. Yeah, in the lobby. A full bar? No, just beer and wine. How's that place? I haven't been over there. Uh, the screen and the sound are great. Really? The, yeah, the programming is really excellent. Big screen. Big screen. It's a whole huge, nice theater. No shit. Yeah, you should present something there. It's a lot of fun. You got me hooked up with American Cinematheque, and now I, I had to join. Yeah. <laughs> I had to join. I couldn't pull the, uh, like, hey, I'm a friend of the, you know, friend and family kind of thing. Yeah. But I wanted to get it. it you know, it's a good organization, so I joined so I could go, uh, so I could get hip to the tickets. Yeah. Well, then go also. see Paris, Texas tomorrow. At the Egyptian? Yeah. Man, I, haven't, I haven't been there since they renovated me it. Me neither. Looks, I heard it's amazing. What a great movie to see. Yes, I love that movie. Oh, I, just I love watched, that. I watched movie. it recently. I love it. You know, you ever try to explain that movie to somebody and it's a little difficult? Well, it was difficult for me because I didn't know what was it about. I, I saw it when I was in my 20s and I don't think I ever knew what it was about because yeah. the entire movie, it's all explained in the peep show. Yeah. That's, you don't find out what's going on until then, pretty much. Right. And it's pretty heavy. It's super heavy. And <laughs> but, but that's the movie. It's like, you know, a guy was wandering around for years. You don't really know why. It's because, you know, he was a monster and his wife set him on fire. Yes. Yes. It's, you know, it's like, I so I think about so many movies I want to revisit yeah. Uh, yeah. that I watched when I've I was a kid. I've been doing that. You know, because like when you're younger, yeah. it's like, and like you want to, you know, you put on the personality of like, I'm a movie guy or yeah, I yeah, like this right. stuff. And then you watch it and then, but you have no, you know, you're watching exactly. like a, some kind of like um, drama and you're like, I don't get it. Why don't they just stay together? Like well, what's yeah, so but, hard about that? Or even if you study film when you're in your twenties, you're in your twenties. You have no idea. Even if you're trying to backload stuff into, or not backload it, but like load it up with like things you read and think you, there's, they're just, there's a depth you're not going to have. And you see all the movies in, but yeah. you're, you're in your twenties. I was thinking about this the other day about, uh, um, and it's not that's like this is not it's like this is cinema, but like um, uh, high high fidelity. Where I'm, when I was younger, yeah. I was like I was thinking John Cusack was such like so cool. Right. And then you watch it as an adult, you're like, what an asshole the whole time. Yeah. 
And he doesn't ever really learn his lesson. It's just that his ex-girlfriend comes back. Well, yeah. Well, we all aspire to be assholes of one kind or another. I, I, mean, I try my best not to be. But then, like, that also entails, like, becoming a monster, you know? But action. I mean, like, when you're younger, you know, the bad guys kind of, like, you have different relationships with yeah. people in movies. Sure, yeah. And you may not see their faults in the same way <laughs> because you're not a complete person. Yeah. You know? And so then you have to, but, like, watching grown-up movies Again, when you're a real grown up, I've been I've been doing it a lot. Yeah. I, di- I mean, I did it with a Dog Day Afternoon too, and that's why I, I just rewatched that. Because well, when I was a kid, I think I was like, I was like, it, this seems a little sillier than it's supposed to be. Maybe they didn't, you know, like I thought it was. Yeah, you know, they were missing the mark. Yeah. Uh, and then you watch it, and it's just it's it's just such a great movie overall movie. Yeah, and it's one of those old movies too, where it's like it is intense and it is dramatic and it is funny. And yeah, it just has all the stuff. Yeah, yeah. It I just have to be one thing. It's amazing, and I'm not even sure I ever saw it. That's because I was. If I saw it, I saw it when I was a kid. Yeah, like I like when you my know parents things, brought me, and when you know things culturally, you just think like I'm pretty sure I saw Casablanca. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and you have to do it on purpose. <laughs> I mean, like uh, yeah. I, like I remember you having. There's movies I have to do on purpose still that I haven't done yet. Oh well, because sometimes you're looking at a movie, you're like, I know I should watch it, but it's probably going to bum me out, or or just sort of like I don't know, man. I don't even I don't even understand why I don't watch some movies. Yeah. Like there's some amazing foreign movies from back in the day that I don't watch cuz I'm just like I don't know. Yeah. But then I watch this Anatomy of a Fall and I'm like I like French movies. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like you know, I always think it's like I should probably eventually see Seven Samurai cuz I've seen all the other versions well, of the movie. Well, that's good. That's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, Seven Samurai's great. Rashomon's great. Yeah. Yeah. The High and Low, it's great. But I don't know, you know, I don't think I've seen those since I was in college. And it's been a long time. And those, theoretically, if a movie is like a masterpiece, why not check in with it every year or two? Yeah, well, I think that because we have so much, uh, so many options to watch so many things that we uh, rarely rewatch things as much as we I've been doing it more. I've been trying to do it more, like you know, re- rewatching stuff. I think it's such a it's such a, a nice thing to do because you pick up on stuff. You yeah, I, I think I just I think I rewatched Midnight Run three times in the last six months. Really, like as like is it because it's comforting or because you're just finding more and more stuff about it? It's just funny. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is such a great movie. It's it's like it's it's very funny. I like it. it's like there's. You know, when they do buddy movies like that or stuff, it's like everything's a little too silly, you know, these days when they make that kind of movie. I'd rather they make like a movie like that where it's just like, you know, Charles Grodin is just like maybe one of the best. Totally. And and De Niro was pretty available too. Like the mm-hmm. moment where De Niro finally gives in, it's kind of great. I yeah. mean, it's touching. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know why I, 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 like there was another movie I just did that too where I'm just, I'm just going to watch the beginning of this. Yeah. Just get a little, little, and I just watch the whole fucking thing. That's why I've been loving Pluto, you know, that yeah. like, that streaming service because yeah. it's like, I'm so tired of looking for something and feeling I should, you yeah. know, I have my list of all these important movies, the Red yeah, yeah. Shoes, you know, they say right. the Red Shoes is one of the best movies ever made, right. you know, like, and then I pull up to, uh, you know, Pluto and there's some movie that like I've been meaning to watch or that I haven't seen in a long time right. and it's like five minutes in. Yeah. And like old TV and I yeah. go, oh, and then I watch the whole thing. It's great. I miss that. Yeah, I miss coming in the middle. Yeah, where you just finish things. You don't feel pressure. You don't feel pressure. Yeah, exactly. Okay, this is a good part. What did I just watch? I watched. um, I've been watching some old ones too. I watched they uh, they live by night. Okay, Nicholas uh, Nick Ray movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Farley Granger. That's right. Yeah, Uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, another one that like I'm like you know you see. Well, there's a million of those noir things that like how you ever going to catch up with that shit? Yeah, exactly. But they're all and sometimes you think like it's old, but like they're pretty compelling. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, uh, I was, you know, only a few years ago that I finally watched uh, Night of the Hunter. Oh, which uh, is, with uh, Charles Lawton? Yeah. And Bob Mitchum? Yeah, it's so, so great. And, like, uh, you know, it's uh, we even, you know, 
we even like threw a reference uh, of it into the that new movie I did. It's like it was just you know it's such a fun it's such a fun weirdly stylized movie. You know what's going on with the mystery science theater? Oh, you know, like uh, we did a uh, another after it left after it left uh, Netflix or left Netflix after they didn't yeah. like want anymore. Um, you know, Joel ended up doing another Kickstarter, which I ended up making more money than the first Kickstarter we did. Yeah. And then we f- used that to fund uh, a 13th season um, of about 12 episodes, I think. And then also, like, I uh, created a platform to premiere on, a, a proprietary platform. And, you know, it was good. And we had some of the new cast on there. And, you know, I directed a few of the episodes. And, you know, they were fun. We did a Union couple. gig? Union gig, yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, and then that went, and uh, you know, then they tried to do, you know, f- crowd fundraise another season of it which i was you know not too i was like i was like you know feels like going to the well of the fans a third time felt a little uh you know and especially after the year of like you know after covid and after the strikes it's like everyone was kind of you know uh so uh they didn't make their mark on that uh fundraiser and you know i feel like i i I put in a good amount of time on that show i mean if they have me back i'll go back but like i feel three seasons is pretty good yeah you I mean, know. You, it was like my dream it was a dream come true to do it at all you know it's a nerd dream come true yeah i mean just comedy because like you nerd know nerd punk comedy dream come true it's like you know the things i was watching on comedy central when i was growing up was sure. like you know like you and short attention span theater the worst um but like you know like i was such a square yes was um <laughs> <laughs> but like the you know like watching that watching kids in the hall watching like that's like that was the kind of the the thing I was thinking about recently about like the things you, you know, do in a career and yeah. like you kind of, you, you, you know, scratch off these little things that like, yeah. you know, maybe everything I do for the most part has been stuff that would make me feel a little less lonely if I was like a 12 year old kid. Yeah. And I take this like metaphysical uh, ball of inspiration that of stuff I'm doing and throw it back sure uh, to the past and hopefully I catch it and continue to do it. But also I realize that's just me trying to impress my inner child but not actually hang out with them well yeah well i mean you got to get them up to speed and sometimes like you know you, you lose touch with them and then when you <laughs> when you actually manifest things that he once liked perhaps there's closure there but i don't know if it is that it's like it's like you know i'll be go back to my inner child and be like hey you liked mystery science here look i'm on that now and they're like yeah. oh that's really cool but you should just probably talk to me and hang out with me no 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 no, no. hold on you liked a stand-up <laughs> no, right you did yeah, a you did yeah. a comedy central yeah, stand-up yeah. show yeah, like, but i just know. really need to grow up yeah yeah <laughs> i mean that's kind of like that's why i stopped doing stand-up <laughs> really <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I don't know if we, did, if we ever talked about that. Or early 2020, I I don't know. Was there was there stand up to stop? I was. The last time I saw you do stand up was at the Masonic Hall in Detroit. Yes, that's right. You opened for me. Yeah, I was. I did three shows with you, and yeah, I yeah. had to like bail in the middle of like our. Yeah, what happened? Because I had to go. Well, I, I did all the shows, yeah. but I had to fly to Cleveland to go to my like friends, my childhood oh, yeah. friend's dad's funeral, and then like that's that. right. Yeah, yeah, right. I remember. Yeah, that was sad. Yeah, super sad. And it was like you know, because like you know, my dad had just died a few years before that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was uh, you know, it was early 2020. And I booked a bunch of my own shows. Yeah. Um, you know, one nighters in the Pacific Northwest. So I did like you know, Seattle, Portland, right before COVID. And, yeah, like yeah. in January. February and I filled up the shows and the shows went great. Yeah, um, but I just didn't wasn't feeling it. Like uh, I just didn't feel it. And I started to kind of go like you know, there was this feeling I had after my dad died where yeah. I wasn't sure if I wanted to do stand up anymore. And the joke I had about it was like, uh, I think it's because I don't know who to try and prove wrong anymore. Yeah, I get that. And and then I kind of started to who are you, who am I yelling at? Yeah, yeah. What am I like? What am I doing? This this thing that kind of why am I me, still mad? It brings me a bunch of anxiety yeah. every single time, and it's you know worked out really well. Uh-huh. Uh, but it was uh, you know I started to kind of feel uh, you know 
2020, I was, you know, almost towards 40. And I realized I started to feel like an incomplete person. You know, I feel yeah. like I, um, it's like, you know, I started at 20 years old and like, uh, I got attention kind of early on. Yeah. Like I met all of you guys and started like being on the M bar shows, the right, death ray yeah. and, and I got on TV kind of fast and, you know, it's not like I was like, I like blew up, but like right. I got attention, but I was like 21, you know, 20 years old, 21 years old. And I kind of like, was this like, you know, floppy hipster kid. And yeah. I was like, well, this is what my material is about. This is what's getting me attention and jobs and money. And I was like, I better stay like this, like mentally and emotionally. Oh yeah. Um, so I can continue to have this output that people are coming to me sure. for. And and it started to go away on you. Yeah, I just kind of encased my, you know. And then I started like getting towards forty and go, why do I feel like an incomplete adult? Why do I feel like right? Little, but like, also, not you formed? can't feed it either because like all your peers are growing up, and you're like you're all your generation is all growing up, and whatever was going on when you know twenty years ago. Uh, and, and 10 years after that, I came to that late, but there is a generation of that, that kind of comedy ultimately just faded away. Yeah. Yeah, it really <laughs> and, did. And, and so, you know, it, it seems like a natural course of things Yeah, that, that as your generation got older, you were like, I don't think this is what we talk about anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's like, you know, not getting girls or, you know, jerk it off or right. you know, nerdy stuff. Like, it's like, I kind of was just like, I was like, what do I, what am I doing? Right. I don't feel like an adult. And I'm like, you know, like I'm, a, a, I'm in my late thirties. I'm like almost 40. Like yeah. I should not be like, you know, you know, I, I started having a, to hate having an opinion on things like yeah. a, or a take on things. Sure. You know, I started like really resenting everything. And you know, like going into comedy, like I started doing stand up because I didn't know, how else to get into show business? Right. Like I always loved it, but like you know, I you come to L.A. and you know, like it always felt like doing comedy was like almost like this unattended back door into show business and entertainment. It wasn't so much a back door; it's kind of a front door. It was just left open. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, because you mean, can if you go had the wherewithal. You it put was your name on a seen. list at an open mic, and you yeah. get on stage, and you're in like L.A. or New York. It's like you're in show business, mm -hmm. baby. Um, it's and interesting it, though the whole idea of that your generation of alt comedy. Everyone kind of grew up, and and that that whole world is kind of gone. Yeah, and a few people surfaced out of that, but not many. Most of the comics that that really made good on it were were kind of club comics a bit yeah. before. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, it's um, and then the whole nerdicing. You were there in, in Chris's, and that was the other part forever. of that, that whole thing of like you know being a part of that scene, and then the whole nerd you know takeover yeah. of culture. Yeah, and I you know really benefited from that, and always felt a little out of place uh, with it. You know, because it's like I wasn't necessarily, you know, I like the things I like, but some of them were nerdy, some of them were not. Right. So like the nerds didn't really you know think I was nerdy enough, and then like you know is that, the, but other... is that true or is that your inner nerd saying that you're like did you actually kind of confrontations with nerds who were like, we don't think you have the credentials. Yeah, sometimes that would happen at live shows. You know, they would just be like, it's like, you don't even like Star Trek. I go, it just is a little boring for me. <laughs> I get it now as an adult a little more, sure. But it's uh, like, I don't like, you know, and then so like you know, everyone's, you know, little, little tiny little gatekeepers and so, yeah, yeah. you know. I, I, was, I didn't like any of it. I yeah. just needed a place to work. Yeah, <laughs> but like also at the it. same time you know it's like that was the thing when me and Kumail were doing the Meltdown show sure it was in the back of a comic book store oh, yeah. but like it was just a good comedy show yeah. you know no one and you know the comics that tried to come and like you know I remember so David Tell's like always been one of my favorites yeah. um, he came and he started kind of being like what oh, I got big you know jokes about comic like yeah. and everyone the audience there was just like no just just do, do jokes the, yeah just do jokes and anyone who came would always be funny well, the age of my generation we're just sort of like what's the context you know you <laughs> 
you've, you've made me come to this place. You know what I yeah. mean? Like he, you know, he's just. Yeah, a, I've been told I got to do this show. Yeah, this hip show. What is the angle here? Yeah. yeah. Well, that was always the thing about those nerd audiences is that sometimes the biggest hacks got the biggest laughs because yeah. they didn't know the difference. There was no big judgment based on the integrity of comedy. Yeah. There's just a bunch of fucking kids. Exactly, and it's like a lot of people there. It's like you know they didn't. You know, like if someone was saying something they like knew about, fine. Yeah. But that's what not what they were there for. In I fact, resist- they probably judged those comics more harshly. I resented every minute of it. Sure, you, but any type, you know, any kind. No, I mean, I, I resented that. Like, I just resented that there was a sort of they were aware that they were taking over culture, and it bothered me. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to like. Uh, defend or uh anything like that just because i benefited from it you know i, I benefited from no, but everybody was good it all worked out there were some funny people and there were still you know some sure. funny people came out of that and they're still plugging along there's a lot of people i don't know where they are but you <laughs> but you just but you you drew a line though you said no more stand-up yeah i just did i, I burnt out i hmm. really really burnt out i didn't feel good about it um but also that wasn't the thing that was carrying you you know, you want it, it was all the, the other jobs I got right. from it. Like, you know, but you know, I had the you know, we had the show on Comedy Central and I got, you yeah. know, those Comedy Central special and put out records. Like oh, that's you know, I did, right. yeah, yeah, I yeah, did yeah. all the stuff, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Like um but you really did it. And I just didn't but it didn't, you know, feel like it, but every time I got to do something else, like when I did that there was that CESA show I did like Hidden America, uh the Bourdain parody show. Yeah, yeah. Um like when I did that, it was like it was just another reminder. Like every time I did like filmed sketches right. or like music videos or some of that where it's like a collaborative effort of people making something. Right. And it's like that I realized that was such a um, better way for me to convey my comedic ideas. Yeah. But you also had chops and confidence from doing stand up for all those years. And yeah, then, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even now, like it's like, you know, even though I don't do stand up, like um, I've been directing specials for other people. Like Ooh. I directed Kyle Kinane's special. Uh, Shocks and Struts, and I did Kirk Bronner's special, uh, uh, Perfectly Stupid, before that. And, um, you know, that's like with uh, Kurt's special, like I worked on the set with him, and I said, you know, like it's stuff I could never tell myself really right. with my own material, but I was able to go, like, I was like, hey, you don't need this, you know, you don't yeah. need this preamble, like right. just get to it. Right. Or, you know, like this should be over here. You don't realize, like I had the bird's eye view and all the skills and knowledge of yeah, like yeah. how stand up worked. Yeah, I saw the Kyle one. That was good. And the Kyle, Kyle. was great because it's like, you know, he wanted to do it specifically at there. And like I mainly worked on, like, you know, I tried to, I was like, I was like, hey, you should kind of move these things around because yeah, you yeah. double back. But like, it's like at the same time, he's like, hey, just don't like, I'll handle the material. You don't have to do kind of what you did with Kurt. With Kurt, like I tagged stuff and like added, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, and had fun with it. It's collaborative. But with Kyle, I was like, I'm just going to like, capture your show and I want it to be energetic and where was that shot at camera at Wise Guys in um, Salt Utah Lake? yeah it's Salt Lake yeah that's alright and um, it's uh, and so like you know going in there with uh, you gotta enough space things. to shoot that but, place but that's what I liked about because I was yeah. used to that with uh, the way Lance shot the Meltdown show so I was like, you know, I was like, let's not have ma- less space. Wise yeah, we had even less bigger. space there. Wise, Wise Guys is bigger. And I was just like, well, let's not make it look like we're just doing a, a special at some theater. Let's not try to make it look like anything it's not. Yeah. Let's just utilize the space. And so let's like, you know, bring a TV taping to the club. Right. And so shove cameras in there and have them all handheld and have it like, you know, and also you like. You have any boom? Uh, you have room for a boom. We did. I didn't want one. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want to have that shot. Yeah. Um. I. I wanted it to feel like a little docu style, almost kind of like the, uh, the shots of stand up in Lenny. Yeah. Um. No, you know, I the remember. Mo- yeah. yeah. It, it didn't look like Wise Guys. 
Yeah, yeah, and like, uh, like you know, lighting it a specific way, but then also like you know, wanting to because Kyle can be so animated. So like, you want to like he does a lot of good stuff with his face, but then also he does a lot of turning around kind of bits. Yeah. Um, and so you know, between the two shows, moving cameras around to be able to capture that stuff and work between the two sets and cut back and forth. That's what you got to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, make it seem like you have like you know twenty cameras in that place. Well, yeah, you just need to be able to pick up. You know what you need. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like I don't know. It's, no one's going to reinvent the fucking comedy special, and I've seen no. every goddamn attempt to do that. Sure, because it's never going to be uh, as exciting as being there. Uh, you ha- so you can't like you know you can't just let well, it. Yeah, play. I don't think anyone expects that. No, I but mean, you I have think to kind of knows how to watch a comedy special. Sure, now. but you also like you know you need to reengage with the way people's uh, perception of time and like you know brain stimulation yeah. happens now. You need to have like 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 in my opinion, you need to have like a roaming camera to get like little weird shots of the show throughout because like you mm. need to reengage the person's eyes and so they'll, they'll see something new that they hadn't seen before and they will reengage. I wonder. Like, it's it's kind of how like you know their prefrontal cortex goes bing. Oh, I, that's new. You have to give them a little something new. I guess. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I have to pay attention to how I watch things because I can really kind of watch things. Yeah. I, I don't find like <laughs> if, you know, like if something's not moving in 30 seconds, I'm like, what's happening? Yeah. But you're, you know, like it's like, but I'm old. You're old. Yeah. Like, and it's like, you know, there's, there's little tricks and it's not like, you know, like that old MTV nineties thing where it's like every three seconds, I think was their uh-huh. rule, you know, and there was always that like a side low angle camera that was in black yeah. and white that they would go to and go right. back. Um, but there's like little tricks you can do to make it a little extra special. So you're doing special. a lot of the directing, a lot of the acting. So you just like, you know, that's what, so you accomplished exactly what you wanted to out of stand up. Yeah. You no, I got, fuck. <laughs> you were never real. Uh, see, that's, that's why I never wanted to bring it up. I, when I, cause I, when I started doing stand up, yeah. there was like guys like David Taylor and Ari Shafir. They're like, uh, like, I was like, oh, I just really want to like act and make movies. And they're like, don't tell anybody that you should only be doing stand up for the pure <laughs> art of it. And I was like, but I still like, I still like it, yeah. you know? It's like, I like playing music, but I'm not like, it's like, I just do it as a hobby, you know? But yeah, well, we all wanted to do those things, and, uh, sure. they, and maybe you get the opportunity to do them, maybe you don't. But you got they, to. There's yeah. a lot of people we know that didn't get to. Yeah, and I don't know if they you tried, or who the fuck knows? I can't, you know, show business is- it's random. It, it's, yeah, it's, that's a nice word for something. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like- It's horrendous. It is. It's, but I don't know what else I'd want to do. It's, uh, you know, like no, I, but, I mean, if you're doing things with, that you want to do and you can do what you want to do, then that's good. Sure. But, but if you're doing things because you have to do them or you're, you're desperate. Oh, yeah. It's not about doing other things. I mean, you get to a certain, op- you get to a certain point in your career where you're like, you want to do things, but it's not, you can't do what you want to do, but you want to do uh, anything. Yeah. And, and that's a bad place to be. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I worked uh, like as a producer and writer, like you know, a lot of like E shows and magazine TV and like countdown shows. And like, I would always tell myself, like, oh, there's a little bit of a like, you know, it's close to what I wanted to do. So, uh, yeah, you're learning. You could do that. But I'm also like, who am I to ask for more than this? No, but I mean, it's just a matter of you you know, you're kind of getting the hours in, and then you can do, you know, you're directing comedy specials. Yeah, some and acting. Yeah, I am. What is it? But I'm also bartending. You know, it's like I also that's your choice. That's, it wasn't really a choice, you know, it's like, I like, you know, I took out by not like doing podcasts anymore, like, you know, my own podcast by not doing standup anymore. I took out a bunch of revenue and kind of, you know, uh, placed bets. And, and like what I wasn't really expecting was a pandemic and a strike sure. to kind of, I mean, I've made, I've gotten to be in a lot of movies that I, I, you know, I think are a lot of fun lately. And like, I, you know, got to you know be a producer. I want to get like directed some stuff, but yeah. like, it's like at the same time, it's uh, I'm, I'm, you know, not enough money. It's not enough money, um, mm-hmm. and that's okay. You know, I, it's like whatever it takes to kind of keep on making the things I want to make. That's all that really matters to me. You know. Yeah. Um, 
uh, it's, it's, you, you got to set aside ego. And also this idea that we should be acting like we're, uh, you know, successful is I think another problem that's very per- pervasive so not so, social media. It's like, you know, yeah. you just kind of go like, it's like, Hey, I'm doing this thing. Hey, I'm on this thing. And people just think that's like, you know, you must be making money, but there's a lot of people that are just struggling to get by because there's not a lot of money in showbiz anymore. That's true. That's a good point. And it's something people need to hear. The thing about acting successful, I don't know. I don't know if everybody does it, but, you know, even if you just st- say you're doing things, people assume you're doing okay. I yeah. always ask myself, like, how the fuck is that guy making money? I, I, you know, if I were to, like, take a step back and look <laughs> at my career, I'd be like, I got, here's a, here's a good example. Yeah. Um, when I, like, I, like, you know, I posted a thing on Instagram about the strikes and, you know, like, the discrepancy in money and pay and stuff like that. And, like, you know, this is what the strikes yeah. are for. Um, I said, like, you know, and also people just assume, like, it's like, if you look up my net worth on, you know, the internet says I'm, like, a, you know, a millionaire. And, um, you know, I, I say anyway, so Does I'm it? bartending. Yeah. It says I have like, you know, over a million dollars. Um, and so I like, you know, you I, do. Come I, on. I don't, just, I don't, I don't, yeah, and that's the thing. I don't know if just cause I'm like not that good or I'm bad with money or, you know, whatever, things, or this, yeah, they don't mean it's a combination of all the things. I never look at any of that shit. But like, you know, like, so I, I, I posted that I was like a bartender, um, and, um, Judd Apatow, <laughs> uh, he like messaged me and goes like, he's like, is this like an Andy Kaufman bit? And uh, I wasn't sure if he was joking or not. And like, uh, I was like, I was like, oh, uh, yeah, man. Um, yeah, it's like every time someone says, are you Jonah Ray? I go, how dare you insult me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm nothing, nothing like that guy. Um, but then, and then I wasn't sure if he was joking. Then like uh, he mentions it to uh, Kumail and he's like, uh, you know, he's like, oh, is Jonah really bartending? And Kumail's like, yeah, there's a strike going on. Like, it's like, you know, there's no work for anybody. And he was, it's like, and Judd's like perception was like, he's like, but he's so funny. I yeah. just figured he was a millionaire. And then, like, my reaction to that is, like, Judd, I'm, like, a straight, white, tall dude. If you didn't make me a millionaire, then no one would have. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say to that? I, he was just, like, he just laughed, you know. Yeah. I was supposed to meet with him next week. I don't know. Uh, like, it's, like. Uh, oh, it worked. Your whole ploy worked. <laughs> yeah. So you, you get into parts of little, my little <laughs> violin you've post. Got your, you've got your meeting with Judd. You pulled it <laughs> off. <laughs> I, you know, it's like, but it's at the same time, it's like, I'm not, I'm done assuming one thing is going to lead to another thing. Um, because it's like, you know, it rarely ever does. I don't know. I just know that, uh, I do the stand up. Yeah. <laughs> and, I do and I do, I go do the stand up yeah. and I come in here and I do this. Yeah. And then and you're tired. The, the other stuff. Well, I'm, I, I'm just tired because like my brain's on fire all the time for one reason or another. Yeah. Um, so no, but no, like I do a lot of, you, you know, I enjoy doing this still and I enjoy doing stand up as well, but there, there comes to a point where it's sort of like, do I know how to stop? Am I doing it? Cause I like it. Am I doing it because I'm still excited about what I'm doing or am I just doing it? Cause I've always just done it. Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, I started when I was 20, you were, I think were you, 19, 20, 21, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's our entire adult yeah. lives. It's like, you know, like yours, you know, three or four more decades than me, but like, uh, when did uh, like, I officially start? I think I did my first stand-up when I was like 21 or 22. And then I started, and then like a couple of years, 88, I started working. So I yeah. was 25. Yeah. And then you just kind of, that's the thing. I felt like, you know, that burnout I had when I stopped, it was like, I felt like I'd, since I was 20, sprinting. Yeah. And like just running to try and just like get to the next thing, get to the next thing. Oh, and yeah, I was just, whatever, and I, just a desperate, spiteful, angry for me. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, and for even, me, and I don't think I like, and I never like wanted to admit it. Like, it's like, you know, how like jealous, I never wanted to admit how jealous I was of like Harris Whittles. And so that was such a wild thing when he died. Like when he died, like I was You like, won that one. I mean, <laughs> 
<laughs> like when he died, like it's like people like it's like people who knew me like were like, it was like, how does that make you feel? I said, I don't know. How did fucking Salieri feel when Mozart died? Wow. You know, because yeah. he was a brilliant, brilliant guy. And, yeah. you know, it's like there's nothing, you know, like a little death that can kind of throw a wrench and things. That's the thing. Like with my dad, like when I was just like, I was like, I don't fucking why, why my motivation was just gone to do any of the stuff. Because it's like, you know, I wasn't there to try and be like, it's like, see, it works, dad. You know? Yeah. Well, I, I find that with me, it's not quite the same it's just a matter of me coming you know circling the same topic same conversations just different ways yeah. you know the same sort of whatever my existential struggles are or whatever my observations are they seem to be me rephrasing themes that i've done over and over again which but that's is, you just trying know. to figure it out though yeah i know it? but like it also implies that i'm kind of <laughs> on a sl- slow circling back yeah. Too, you know what I mean? Well, like, yeah. Because so, you've been doing nothing. It's like, that's another thing. I was like, I feel like I exploited every aspect of my life, right. like over the years. And I was like, did I even experience anything in an honest way? Yeah. Or was I just like experiencing things and going, you know, that'd be funny. Well, or did I really like, recover from any kind of traumatic moment in my childhood or in my early, you know, life? Right. It's like, or did I just like joke around about it so much that I felt okay about it? Well, where, well where, where do you, how do you answer those questions now? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> it's like, I guess like through art, we process. But I mean, I mean, like now that you've stopped though, are you processing? Yeah, now it's kind of starting to come to a head. I'm like, you know, like through like therapy, I'm going to like, oh, yeah, I'm okay. going to ACA meetings now. Okay. Oh, um, you know, adult trauma alcoholics. Oh, good. To, trying to address a lot of that stuff because it's like, it's, you know, it's you, when you said like, it's like when I was feeling good in that time, you yeah. know, it was, this, it was also like, I think you said that when it was the pandemic. So it's like, no one was like feeling anything, yeah. you know, it's like, and then. I think I can't remember who it was. Was just like he saw me once. He was like, he was like, hey, Jonah's here, as uh, as anxious as ever. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize I was right. revealing that as much as I did. And so like trying to kind of figure out that stuff, and especially especially after like you know like uh, my friend Neil died, which oh, is God, like that's right, yeah. You know, like it's that was was weird because it's like how much when I felt, was that? That was uh, three years ago. This past uh, Monday is when I found him. Yeah, was it during COVID? Yeah, it was during COVID. It was uh, twenty uh, uh, January eighth. Uh, shocking everybody. What a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. And it's weird the death during COVID because you know Lynn died during COVID. Yeah. It, it's like it. It's like it happened in this weird yeah. zone of time, and no one could just come together. That's easily. right. That's why. Yeah, and it was it was real tricky. It was like you know even like finding him. It was you know it was. Did it they was, figure out how he died? Uh, it was it was you know. It's pretty much uh, some complications from drinking. I mean, like the yeah. isolation. You yeah. know. Um, I, the isolation kind of, I think, really messed him up because he was yeah. a very social guy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I was with him a couple of days before in the yeah. mountains. And then, you know, I just swung by his place and there's, you know, like, uh, was, I was like, oh, it looks like he's like sleeping on the couch, you know? And like, I'm like knocking on his window on his porch trying to wake him up. And like, uh, and then, <laughs> and then I, and then I uh, like, you know, started like, cause I was on his Wi Fi. So I was able to start like playing dumb stuff on his TV. Right. And I started like, you know, I was like, I was like, I got to get this guy awake. You yeah. Know? And it's like, it's funny because it's like, I didn't even see, I didn't, couldn't even, like, I was like looking in it. I was like, I was like, it looks like he's breathing. Like, why wouldn't he be breathing? Right. Cause he was just like, looks like he was sleeping on his couch. And then, um, I like played like, you know, uh, a dumb song. I played like jingle farts, like through his TV, yeah. you know? And then, um, I was like, I was like, I know I'm going to get him awake. I'm going to play a, a stand-up clip of his ex-wife. <laughs> Jen? Like, yeah. 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 And then like it did it work. And that's when I kind of like saw. That might have been what killed him. Yeah. <laughs> he was holding on until that <laughs> moment. <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah, it wasn't until like I kind of like noticed that the the uh, the yeah. uh, color of his skin on his arm was weird, and then I had to uh, break into the house and uh, <sighs> yeah, yeah, it was, it's real brutal. And it, you know, the thing is, I had to, and of course, like you know, 
uh, you know, in those kind of times, like a bunch of funny stuff. I mean, you did such a great job of the, uh, you know, the Lynn stuff in your last yeah. special. Like, and like, it was really, really cool is to see that. Cause it's like, you know, like I kind of, you know, all the things that happened that day, like he died the same day as Tommy Lasorda, mm. you know, the yeah. baseball coach sure. and his, his uh, place was right across the street from a little league field called Tommy Lasorda field of dreams. No. So, you know, I'm sitting on the curb, like sobbing, waiting for the, like, you know, like police or someone yeah. to show up. And this like, you know, nice Audi pulls up and it's like this couple in their Dodger gear and they're going, are you doing all right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm like, why are these people talking to me? And they're like, he was a great man. I was like, what? I didn't tell anyone. They're like, such a good coach. And I was like, all right. And they're like, it's like, we're here with you. And then they drove, and I was like, and I mentioned it to my friend. He's like, oh yeah, time will sort of die. I was like, Jesus Christ. And like, it's like a bunch of funny stuff like that happened. Like, you know, it's like, you know, when I was, when I busted open the window, but I couldn't get through because of the bars at first, uh, I was like everything on his porch, I was throwing at him. Yeah. And like, it's like, you know, he had little like whittling things and like a little like, uh, like glue and stain for like all these things he was working on on his porch. And I was like throwing it at him. And so when the cops came, they asked me, they're like, did he like huff glue or paint? And like, I was like, no, you fucking whittled these dumb horses, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the coroner, uh, when he got out of his van, tripped and hit his head on the uh, side of his van, denting it. Like a bunch of funny stuff happened. Wow. And these are the things I'm telling you. Yeah. Fun short film, it sounds like. Yeah, 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 exactly. But that's how like, you know, I just would joke around about these moments um, instead of like processing this kind of traumatic thing. Yeah, I know, but like, yeah, but that's not terrible. I mean, because ultimately, what does processing look like? You're only going to do it at the pace you can do it at. And by joking about it, you're not not processing. That's true. You know, it's like, I think... um, it's you're, you're not not processing it, but you're maybe not giving it the weight um, that it deserves. Yeah, or but the, I mean, but how much crying are you going to do? I don't, I don't know, Dad. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> Good thing. Good thing you never had. Wait, how much crying are you going to do? Fucking cry, baby. I mean, yeah. Walk it off. Yeah, I mean, come on. Uh, I no, just know that when I was initially in grief that yeah, I could not control the crying. And I couldn't. Hap- yeah, and it would happen everywhere. And, you know, like even though I wasn't seeing that many people. And, yeah. you know, and it was unavoidable. So so I was experiencing those feelings. Yeah. And, and, going, and if I go back to those feelings, I can still, you know, access the feelings and the, 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 this sort of horrible, um, like the, the, I had to deal with the whole day of dying thing, yeah. you know, cause she was, you know, she's in the hospital yeah and you know, and it, we were all dealing with it, but like you were there. Yeah. I, I wasn't at the hospital. I couldn't go to the hospital. Oh, that's right. Cause it was fucking, yeah. That's another weird yeah. dude, you know, but you know, but, but what the, I guess the point I'm trying to make is like in terms of trauma processing and stuff, cause I've done some of it around other things. Yeah. And, you know, I know that, that being funny is a way to deflect emotion. I get that. But but I don't know that it is suppressing emotion. No, yeah. I I do think, you know, there's something to it. Like, um, you know, and it's it just really depends. Like, you know, that's the the funny thing is, like, Neil and I, you know, like, we probably talk to, to each other every day for 20 years. Um, you know, uh, like, uh, and after his dad died of cancer... Um, you know, we would always have this conversation after my, yeah, his dad died of cancer. My dad died of a stroke, like yeah. suddenly. 
Um, and we would always have this conversation. It's like, what's worse? Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. just them going right away yeah. or like uh, the slow, painful death. And, Look, my dad's got dementia now. I, yes. I guarantee you this, the, the quickness is what you want. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It's like, but you know, like the joke I've been making is, uh, it's like, you know, after Neil dying suddenly and after my dad dies suddenly, it's like, can't someone in my life please die a slow, painful death just so I ha- I can have some closure? <laughs> yeah, anyway, I want to be able to, to be there for that. Yes, yeah. Just uh, for me to have that yeah, moment. Yeah, 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 but yeah. like, uh, yeah, it's, uh, and now, now we got some gardeners. You're doing pretty good these days. You got gardeners. What day is today? It's yeah, Friday. that is the garden. Nice. Not so bad. Well, what am I going to do? Do you see the size of that fucking... I know. No, I can't you, do it. I, well, maybe if you were it's tired, you'd have time to snip it. I'm not that tired. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm physically not tired. Yeah. My brain... Like, I get a little overwhelmed. It's anxiety tired. Yeah. yeah do yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, totally. Yeah. It's just I'm, sort of... I'm still trying to figure that stuff out. Yeah, I just can't... I can't get peace of mind because my... You're inability- the one that gives me no hope. You know, oh, yeah? sometimes when you look at like one of your like friends that have like you know kind of oh. maybe mentally uh, similar, sure. and then like I see you still struggle with it, I was like, I was like, oh, so it's just yeah, but I'm forever? okay, but 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 it's like, but it's just part of you. I mean, it's a it's a difference between being sort of paralyzed by it and just sort of saying like, yeah, that's happens sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. <laughs> do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, what are you gonna do? Like, just like, you can't reprogram the whole fucking thing. Yeah, can't hold on to the wind. He, yeah, that's true, and I, that's exhausting. Yeah. The whole thing. <laughs> One day science will figure it out. You try and you try. (laughs) Cannot hold on to the wind. But uh, but no, I mean my I my I have an inability to compartmentalize that well. So everything sort of comes in hot. Yeah, yeah. You know, like there's no difference between like fuck. I've got to I've got to like take that thing out of the fridge. Yeah, and uh, I'm waiting for tests from the doctor, and I got to talk to you. These are of at the utmost importance. Yeah, Yeah. they just all have the same vibration, and then I have to sort of go. That one couldn't. That one you could put that (laughs) slow that down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then how much of that do you think is like uh, from you know uh, weird traits of like uh, alcoholism or. or, you know, I think it's a parenting thing. It's just a panic of because uh, you said it's a, your uh, your dad, your parents were pretty um, emotionally detached, se- right? Yeah, a little selfish, a little you know. They, they were emotionally charismatic, but just not in a nurturing way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you kind of yeah. There was never like it, there were. I don't. It has to do with that, the alcoholism and that kind of stuff. I don't know. I also quit nicotine again. Like I got back involved with that, and I was off everything for a few years. And I got a nicotine. I just I'm pulling off of that again, and this is like day twelve. Nice. Exciting withdrawal. But I mean, look, I mean, there are certain things that are just part of me, but I, I tend, my brain just sort of like doesn't know how to relax. And instead yeah. I just get suicidal. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, there's, you know, you, you, it's always about trying to find that uh, healthy version of dissociation, you know, and that could be, that's you know, right. playing music for me, that's it. You know, like that's it's right. like healthy just getting loud and yep. just like, you know, loud guitars, loud drums. Like, yeah. it's also like, realizing what you have control over and what you don't. What yeah. can you do in any moment for what you're feeling? Yeah. What is that? You know, that's what's a funny thing is like uh, with bartending, it really started to challenge my people pleasing. Oh, yeah. Um, where it's like, you know, I would get stressed if there was more than a couple people waiting for drinks. And I was oh, like, yeah. oh, I'm ruining their good time. Yeah. Oh, and like, uh, one of the one, bartender. Yeah. <laughs> Where's that bit? Yeah. I mean, maybe SNL did it in the 90s. Oh, it's yeah. the codependent. It would have a little jingle for it. But all bartenders are codependent. That's the job. I, it really, it's like, you know, it's, uh, I sometimes <laughs> I call them like, there's like some people that come in and sit down and they're yeah. just like, you are 
are there to give them a drink and to listen and talk to them. I call them punishers. Sometimes they're great, but sometimes they'll just slowly reveal themselves to you, and it's not good. It gets worse and worse the more you give them. Yeah. And here comes <laughs> a regular. Exactly. It's call like, out my name. And it's funny because it's like you know some. Of, it's funny you say that too, because like I think a lot about like you know one of my favorite bands is Dillinger Four out of Minneapolis. Um, I really do think like they are the you know, successors to the style of uh, the replacements. Uh, uh, replacements, not musically, but yeah. like, you know, stylistically and, uh, you know, idea wise. But, uh, but they're like, you know, those guys are all bartenders. Oh, yeah. And like, it's like, I think that, you know, that's the kind of stuff that makes me, you know, feel good. It's, uh, you know, they, they have amazing lyrics, they're very poetic, and, you know, they're uh, provided with this uh, slice of humanity. Uh, I like that how you you're slowly framing your shift from comedy to bartending <laughs> as the correct move creatively. <laughs> for, for you, very good. Well, these are, you know we can always try. I can only try and justify uh, my uh, descent uh, into obscurity. Uh, I don't so know obscurity. So tell me, let's talk about this movie because I almost didn't watch it all. And yeah, it's not for you. I don't know if it's not for me. I mean, I think, I, but I say that like, well, that's I just I was working on this joke. It's also as, like eighty-five minutes, dude. As I get as I get older, is like I say this about it. I'm like, is this terrible, or do I am I just not getting it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could be both. Two things could be true, as they say. No, but like I, I do. I am capable of watching things that uh, are not for me. Sure, yeah. Uh, and I know that the movie uh, "Destroy All Neighbors," you know, it is a take on a type of horror movie or several. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a you know harkening back to that practical effects stuff from like the eighties, like Basket Case or yeah. Brain Damage or some of that early you know uh, Peter Jackson stuff. Oh uh, yeah, you know it's like and we only had two million to make it, but and- it's sourced. Like you know, you know, you know what you're trying to do. Well, we're this not, is the yeah. genre you're fucking this is the, with. This is and like you know, it's like it's it's not a parody as much as it's like we just tried to make one of those movies. No, no, I know it didn't feel like a parody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like you know, and Alex Winter, who also made those types of movies, he made a movie called Freaked in the early '90s. Yeah, I remember Freaked. Um, and you know, it's a uh, it's like it's like you know that kind of stuff. And he directed it. No, he was a he was a co-producer with me on it. And who directed we, it? Uh, this guy Josh Forbes does a lot of commercials and music videos. But and Alex is the is the he's, main. He's the main weirdo. villain, and he shows up later as uh, as a like a lawyer. Um, yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Got to get his face in there somewhere. Sure, sure. But like the guy who did his effects, the same guy who did like you know Leprechaun and Basket Case. So it's like you know we have what the costume you mean? Uh, yeah, the, his his like design. It's crazy. Yeah, all this a lot of guts. A lot of guts and gloop and yeah. it's, you know, like, again, like I was saying, it's like that kind of like, these are movies I love so much as a you kid. Did. Uh, like, you know, Street Trash and yeah. Basket Case, of course, uh, like Return of the Living Dead. Like, I love gore and I love comedy. Um, and I just like, uh, you know, it's like now I, I did one of those. I love like Evil Dead 2. So it's like, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then we also, but like, we also like, there's like, you know, and some of the horror kids might not notice it, but like, you know, we also pulled from like Delicatessen and oh, like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, Barton yeah. Fink and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, the hallway. And, sure. The you know, hallways. Yeah. 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 It's like, you know, it's just, it was, it was fun. It's like, you know, it's a low budget little like, you know, splatter comedy. And, but it seems like now with the cameras available, a low budget doesn't have to look bad no it's like you just it's like it does a low budget that you your low budget does not look like those old like fucking kind of like gritty movies you know it's funny though it's like but materials are more expensive uh right and and time uh yeah everything, everything just costs more plus like with those old cameras like old they, they could get away with so much more because you couldn't see everything exactly sure so like you know the the grittiness of the 60 millimeter being blown up to 32 right you know for its release in theaters it's yeah. like it's gonna hide a lot of strings uh, it's gonna yeah. hide a lot you of like hide anything seams. Now. yeah you yeah. can't hide anything Wow. Yeah. But I, you know, it's like, I, I was very fun. We had a lot of friends involved and the music is like really fun. We 
had Ryan Katner from Man Man and Brett Morris like do all the soundtrack for it. And oh yeah, wait, who is it? Tom Lennon. Tom Lennon shows up in yeah, it. And he's super funny. fun. Kamel shows up in it. Uh, oh yeah, Kamel was funny. That was funny. Yeah, Phil Hendry. Uh, oh yeah, Phil the cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. played the cop. You, so you basically watched the whole thing. I watched it. Oh okay. You, oh, you almost <laughs> didn't finish it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's just like you know, it's a it's a fun it's a fun movie. It's, no, you know, I thought it was fun, and I thought yeah. like you know, I I I I thought that while watching it, though not necessarily sourced to what I know. Yeah. I would think that people would enjoy it that like that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. It's, uh, you, know, you know, like I said before, it's just like the kind of, st- like make the kind of stuff that would, ex- you know, make the younger version of you feel a little less lonely. It's like, oh, there's guys like making weirdo stuff like this. Sure. Like, that makes me feel a little, uh, a little safer, a little less alone, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, but also like, um, it looked fun. And yeah. You, and you did a good job acting. Thanks, thanks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's like, you know, uh, like you know that's what i was hoping for it's like you know i never i've been a lead in like you know like tv shows yeah. and like uh and and but like you know for as far as movies to, like to be able to you know hopefully not mess up carrying a movie it was very important to me oh but he also had all that those crazy puppet people yeah there's a lot of puppet people which is something i'm used to for mr science theater you know like it's <laughs> yeah. like everyone's like what was that like i was like i've been already doing it also i i've always enjoyed like you know even in sketch when i did that kind of stuff like being the straight man uh like you know and help facilitating right um like the zaniness of the idea or the characters within it yeah uh has always been something i've like you know been really good at like you know like working on nerdist working on mr science theater working with Kamel. like it's like i've always liked facilitating even like my show hidden america yeah, like you know codependency and yeah exactly exactly all, yeah. coming around it's all yeah, it's it's all in the wheelhouse. Yeah, of, yeah. Uh, You're a drummer, right? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the same. Yeah, but here's the weird thing. My yeah. drumming, though, um, I like. It's like I'm rarely a four on the floor guy. Like I like getting busy. Yeah. On it, like yeah. uh, you know, when I was a kid, I was listening to like you know this hardcore stuff and this punk stuff, but I was also listening to a lot of jazz. Yeah. And so I was like, I was like, oh, I should in like Stuart Copeland and sure. stuff like that. Oh, where yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, what if I did these weird like kind of like weird fills that were the beat? You yeah, know? yeah. Strange. Uh, uh, Syncopated, syncopated. Beats. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 a lot of clacking on the rim of the, you know, like. Yeah, uh, yeah. But also, like, love, and then because when you do that, and then you slam into like the rhythm, it makes it that much more like uh, chunky yeah, and powerful. Everyone's relieved. <laughs> you got out. At least the fucking blues guitarist guys is like, <laughs> he hey, got what, out. what if for this one you just uh, keep the rhythm and then I wank off? <laughs> Come on. I listen to a lot of jazz. <laughs> hey, man, you I talking jazz? jazz? Ooh, baby, that jazz. Well, it was good seeing you, man. Good and seeing congrats you too. on the uh, on the movie. I think it's fun. I'm glad you're doing okay. Thanks. And, yeah. Uh, um, you seem good. Yeah, yeah. Don't I mean, be too hard on yourself. Uh, you know, I, I think I'm, if anything, I'm not as good as that last time you said I was uh, doing better, but I'm better than I used to be. No, you seem good. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, it's good to, to, to confront all this stuff and to, you know, do the work. Yeah. But uh, I sometimes, like, you know, there was that time I tried to, like, hang out. It's like, I did want to talk about, like, not that you have done ACA, but, like, it's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you know about that kind of I stuff. I hear it's, like, like, the best one. Yeah, it's it's been really really incredible but it's like i just wanted to talk to you more about that stuff like not in this context but yeah, just like you know it's i think it's specific and it applies to people that grow up in insanity of one kind or another yeah and like because you know i you know i'm sure i qualify for having you know mentally ill dad and all that stuff yeah but i know that the conversation around issues that come from that that are beyond just codependency stuff yes it's all kinds of stuff yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah well I, I should go i should go with you yeah all right buddy all right man There you go. No more comedy for Jonah. No more stand-up anyways. That's a that's a, it's a courageous decision. 
I think he feels all right about it. The movie, Destroy All Neighbors, which I think is worth watching if you like that kind of horror. Uh, it's streaming on Shutter and playing in select theaters. Hang out for a second, people. So I talked with Ed Begley Jr. for even longer when he was here, but we couldn't fit it all into this episode. So it's posted now for Full Marin subscribers. You can hear me and Ed talk about his Parkinson's diagnosis, his environmentalism, and Marlon Brando. What was your experience with Marlon? It was great. He had heard of my um, environmental work, and he liked that, and he liked that I was handy, too, that I had like, made my dining room table and a chest of drawers. He loved anybody who was handy. He didn't want to talk about show business at all, no talking yeah. about acting, writing, directing, puppetry, claymation, train yeah. seals, anything that was showbiz. He didn't want to talk about... <laughs> Galvanized pipe versus copper. Love to talk about that. Wind turbine, solar panels. Loved it. Yeah. Drywall, you name it. Subscribe to the full Marin by clicking the link in the episode description or by going to WTFpod.com and clicking on WTF Plus. Next week, comedian Jacqueline Novak is on Monday and Moshe Kasher returns on Thursday. This guitar took me a long time. I put it through the echo box. And I screwed it up at the end. It took me a long time, though. Damn. Monkey and LaFonda, cat angels everywhere. That was much harder than it sounded. Jesus Christ.